everyone, and welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma podcast. Bringing conversations around hardship into the light. It's me, Peter Middleton, here, and I'll be hosting this podcast. This is a space for intimate and empathetic chat around trauma, big T or little t. We have regular sections to this podcast, so look out for them. And each episode, I'll be joined by a guest who will share their unique perspective. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma podcast and I'm here today with Meg Williams. Hello Meg. Hello Peter. Hello, welcome. Super happy to, thank you, yeah, excited to be here yeah. with you. I'm very much excited to be here with you also, <laughs> thank you. Um, I'd like to ask you what's your vibe? All right, my vibe um, is probably all about love. Um, that's lovely. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's funny. I think my my six year old is probably the one who brought that to light. Um, she told me that your work is spreading love, and so yeah. Once she said that, I thought, oh my gosh, she's right. That's what my work is. So yeah, just trying to bring about um, love in our, you know, within myself and in my mm. family unit, and then I guess with the work that I bring into the world, hoping to spread those vibes and ripples out to the community and hopefully beyond. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. <laughs> I mean, that's such a beautiful thing to just center yourself on because, you know, there's so much, there's so much like talk of like, Oh, what do you do? And where, where are you from? And kind of what are you trying to achieve? But um, I feel like if, it, if everyone centered themselves a bit more on, Oh, my work is spreading love and that's just I, I like that I've taken that that's, that's yeah and you actually I mean by kind of putting that as a centering point I think that is is literally what um yeah helps to keep me centered and and aligned you know yeah. what what I'm about to say uh, whatever I'm choosing to engage in um you know as long as it's you know best well we could get into the conversation of everything is love <laughs> yeah but I think you know yeah. when you use that as your centering point or action um yeah it's what keeps me aligned for sure oh, that's so good yeah I I definitely subscribe to that um notion of everything is love it's like it's like tapping into everything isn't it love <laughs> it's like you know it's just the energy of of, of yeah. life yeah yeah and i think it brings you into that level of acceptance um yeah. of many things <laughs> wow yeah great stuff great stuff okay well the first um prompt that you picked was what's my inner voice saying oh that's a full body yes yeah, that reminds me of something i like that what'd you do that for oh they're gonna hate me be loving what are they gonna think oh, i feel so mm, that's tasty 
be kind. I like the smell of that. Don't be so cold. Use that language here. Why did you do that? I am love. Hey, what's your inner voice saying? So, what would you like to speak to on that, Meg? My inner voice. Well, um, I'm going to go, if you don't mind. Um, of course not. Just sharing a bit of because what is my my inner voice says a lot of things, and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the the biggest thing about the inner voice, but. Um, Mm -hmm. just a little bit more about me when I look back, um, because I think I am one of those people who, uh, when, like you said, a lot of people will say like, Oh, well, what is it you do? And, um, I, I mean, I would be the first to say, I don't really know. (laughs) Um, but, but if I look at, um, my professional training was, um, to, I, I was an elementary school teacher and um, uh, worked for two school boards and back in the spring resigned, put in my formal resignation um, with one board. And then actually last week, um, finally bit the bullet and put in my formal resignation with the second board. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So really, really big, exciting and terrifying um, um, actions, but I realized that holding on to my places there was a security thing, was right. like a safety net. Um, yeah. and I thought listening to my, the voice that I've been projecting out into the world, I thought, oh, I'm not really about, you know, holding on to that security. Yeah. Uh, and it's what I, you know, what I, I dare myself and dare everyone else, um, to kind of let go of. So, mm-hmm. um, stepping away from that. And, and the biggest thing with stepping out of the education system was, uh, again, um, being, I mean, I loved working with students. I loved being able to have that, um, to some degree, the, creative capacity to do what I wanted in the classroom, but it was really, um, at the same time, really restrictive. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of my biggest issues, you know, one of, I guess I would could say trigger is just, you know, not feeling heard, not feeling respected, feeling like my voice is being silenced. Um, right. you know, those are my areas of trauma. And, and I really mm-hmm. felt like that was what the administration, um, was placing on me. It was like, Hey, we really want to hear what you have to say. But then anytime we'd mm-hmm. reach out, it would kind of, um, have, you, you could come forward with massive projects and no one would receive it. Yeah. So I thought, I don't, yeah, I like just subtly, don't know. Subtly kind of undermined in a way. Again, it exactly. shows up in a nuanced way. It's like, okay, you're not you're not wholly disrespecting me in this situation, but you're also not you're also we're also not aligned with this thing, right? You're not hearing me. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Not feeling not feeling aligned. And it was a bit soul crushing, really. Mm. Um and I think the biggest thing was um it's funny because when I, when I met my husband, um, we, we really jumped into starting a family right away, right away. That was one of the things that we were aligned on. Um, but I can remember being in my classroom right before I met him and thinking, because it's, it's a job that, you know, you almost are, it's one of those jobs where it's not over when you walk out the door. Um, and I, 
I knew once I had a family, um, you know, my kids were going to be my, my number one, my family was going to be number one. Mm -hmm. And when I went back into the school after having my first child, this was, it was, it was soul crushing because I didn't have the energy to invest, um, you know, to the students a hundred the, the way I had before kids. And, mm-hmm. and then it was also taking so much time away from mm-hmm. my family. Um, I see. So that was when I started to go, yeah, this is just, you know, it's not the, I'm not, there was a lot of soul crushing bits and pieces going on. And that was also the same time when I started to listen to that inner voice um, Mm. and take action on it. And uh, so my husband and I had opened a yoga studio. One of the things that we, we like to take risks, Ian and I, Mm -hmm. That's good. (laughs) we very much go with the flow. Um, We very much uh, have that adventurer mindset and kind of like, you know, Ian's a little bit more steadfast uh, as the healthy masculine mm, I like presence. That. I like that. Yeah. I do a lot of work with that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And he, so he's a bit more, um, are you certain about this? And, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely that feminine, like, yeah, we got it. Like, let's just see what happens. Yeah. Let's dance with it. Um, right. But it's, yeah, and it's worked. It's worked for us so far. It's definitely brought the fun and the adventure to the relationship and the life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we so so we our first risk was taking the chance to bring. We moved out to a very rural community, which fits our lifestyle. We wanted to be out of the city. We wanted land. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted you know, easy access to nature and the outdoors. Mm. Um, and actually the school that I was going into was a, an old schoolhouse style. So it was three classrooms, um, wow. 17 kids in the whole school. So we thought this sounds great. Um, but I really missed, I had just started teaching yoga. We had moved from the city and I had started teaching yoga and I really wanted to stick to that. It was I was feeling the life-changing impacts of it and Mm. there was nothing out here. So we thought, I think we really need to to bring this. I think Um, we Mm. were struggling as a new family in the area to find, um, to find connection with anybody. Uh, Right. You need to find your anchors and roots and all sorts. Yeah. Yeah. That and I mean, time. we do good as a, as a family unit, but yeah, our, our neighbors weren't a stone's throw away. So it was, it was uh, hard to come into a community and not know um, like who we could, yeah, who we could connect with. Right. So you're, yeah. You're right. right with needing to anchor down and, and we thought we can't be the only people who are experiencing this. So we, mm-hmm. yeah, we took the plunge and we leapt into opening a yoga studio and it did really well for a small town um Mm -hmm. but it also just put more strain on on time (laughs) if i want to use that label um (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) so um i don't know where i'm going with that with the inner voice i guess that kind of leads up to current we ended up closing we ended up closing it after two years um Mm -hmm. we had our second 
daughter, which um, it was a bit of a, a gift because I think it, it kind of happened at the breaking point of trying to teach, trying to run the studio, trying to be a wife, trying to be a mother. Um, right. And actually the pregnancy allowed me to take sick leave from teaching. And so that was when I realized um, uh-huh. that I, that that form of work wasn't that work setting wasn't going to work for me. I see. Um, so mm-hmm. what and I'm then, hearing is that you had an inner voice that was guiding you through all these, not, not necessarily like you, not necessarily like you knew exactly what was like going to happen, but you, you were following some, some form of following intuition. Some force. Yeah. yeah. Some force of a whisper, a nudge, a pull. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it was definitely all of those things. It's a beautiful um, part of, of, of the healthy feminine too. Right. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. a, a stunning. Um, I love, I love the aspect of mystery in there as well, like to be embraced, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it keeps, keeps, keeps my, keeps my reverence of life in a way. I, that's, yeah. That's where it comes from. Yeah. From. And that's a, Really great term because I think, um, you know, Ian and I actually in that time really fell in love with that anchoring phrase, faith in the unknown. Mm. And because sometimes it is scary. It's like that. It's like that scary, excited feeling that you get, Um, you know, but. And it's ongoing, right? Like we, I think because those choices that we have to make um, and that uncertainty and that mystery is it really is ongoing. You know, you can take the, take the plunge, make a decision in one thing, but then, you know, the next one's just around the corner. Yeah. But the reverent too is, is a really good, I like the feeling tone that that brings about right when you. Yeah. I've actually never said that before. So thank you for your, (laughs) for the connection that brought that through. It's really good. Yeah. I think it's, I think it suits for me. Like I'm going to hold on to that one. And, yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> great. Take, take it. It's not mine. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Um. So that's yeah, definitely been the inner. That would be the inner voice that has sort of been been leading, and I still think it's like I, it's still there. Um. Mm. And, you know, and Ian and I have been sitting down with conversations of like, what next? Even now, and mm. I'm. I mean, even more so at the point of like, I don't, I don't know what I, mm-hmm. I don't know what I do. I don't know what I'm doing. I do, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's having that faith in the unknown and, um, so that holding on to that feeling tone of this has always worked out. Yeah, for sure. I'm really curious. Like, so you sit down regularly with Ian, your partner, and you just discuss, um, you know, what sort of, how does that look for you? I'm curious. We, yeah, we do. Um, it's like every, turn everything off and kind of turn the chairs to face one another. Um, oh, that's beautiful. And really, yeah, well, we do get, I mean, I think especially him and I both do have our own personal passions. Mm-hmm. Um, him with his, you know, working with his hands and building and, and me with yoga and wellness and mm-hmm. I don't know, creative expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do sit and turn, you know, face to face and sort of say, this is what's really going well for me right now. 
And then that conversation of um, where do you think like intentions going forward, ah, which okay. keeps us aligned. Yeah. 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 I'm hearing that. It's good as a good practice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and do you do that with your, your own personal inner voice as well? Or? I'm curious because yeah. oh, yeah. you um, had quite a, um, quite a, what's it, the, the frequency of, of voices in within you is high. So I was just curious to, to know how you navigate that. Because yeah, I, I have also I, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, um, I feel like I have a lot of practices and just, you know, the practices that work for me are generally to try and stay just with that balanced feeling tone, um, okay. you know, because we definitely, I, I personally sway, um, you know, back and forth pretty routinely, but mm. um, I, I almost, you know, what I am feeling pulled, <laughs> listening to my inner voice here, um, yeah. pulled to say is that's, you know, that's my meditation practice. And I think that the deeper that I've gotten into my meditation practice, um, you know, literally, like the inner voice and it's this is that that voice that it's like this is not actually even me coming through um mm. you know it's almost like phrases i've I, this is mm. i just think of um yeah yeah it was funny i was just telling a friend recently and when i was in costa rica i had a really powerful um I don't even know what you would call it. Mm -hmm. like <laughs> it's like, it was almost, yeah. And I, I had, we were at a really, I don't know. I know we have the time restraint here, but this is a, it's a bit of a story. <laughs> Should I go That's with cool. It? We can share. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. We Ooh. have a massive thunderstorm that's just coming that's through cool. here while we're sharing. This is magical. Wow. Um, shivers. It was so sunny and bright. Um, <sighs> Uh, but yeah, when I was in Costa Rica, we had, had arrived and um, were in a really bizarre, we were house sitting was where we were, where we had landed in, mm. when we first got into Costa Rica. And um, there was some bit of bug, to be honest, I don't, we don't know what it was. We scoured for weeks trying to figure out what was biting Malia mainly and Ian and um, it was for, for me as a, as a mom, um, when my kids are sick, it, that's like one, one of the things that's just, um, yeah. it's really, really puts me out of my element that disconnects me from, from yeah. holding tight and straight on the line. And I said to Ian, I said, like, I just, you know, he was kind of like, well, we're all okay. Everything's getting better. Um, uh, you know, he wasn't worried. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I thought I just, you know, I can't handle this. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, you know, you, you, when you're in one of those situations, you can either accept it, you can change it, or you can leave it. And I said, like, we need to leave. And, oh. um, but he was kind of steadfast and I just hit my breaking point and I felt unheard. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember going into my room and it was like one of those moments where, you know, like the, where you just, the world feels like it's just, you're, you're like, just eat me up. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and I woke up and 
when I'm in Costa Rica, I, I, Costa Rica and, and Alaska, we have a home in Alaska also. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty routine for me to have these experiences where, um, like, it's like I almost pick up, I don't know if that rain is coming through too loud or can oh, you no, hear me? Okay. Okay, I think, yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's um, quite cool, actually. <laughs> it's just torrential. Yeah. Um, but I'll pick up like frequency tones and the best way to describe them is I'll literally hear like radio stations. Like I could tell you what song is playing or I could hum it to you. I could be like, I'm hearing like Mexican Mirage music right now, Mirage band or like country or, um, you like, like Pearl Jam. Like it's been so, it was really, really weird. Um, when it first started, but then I started to just, like, okay, so does it translate normal right okay. um does it translate to actual music yeah you're talking about feelings or wow. literally okay. yeah like 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 okay at first i would scour the house thinking who's left the radio on oh, because wow. there were c- certain songs like it like pearl jam i say that because it was like i know this song um yeah. I think but then that, sometimes it's songs yeah sorry for interrupting as well i just um because as a musician <laughs> I, I get that often actually as well oh wow yeah yeah and it's and you know sometimes it has literally been just frequency tones like you know like the hurt tones um yeah i haven't really figured out i'm not you yeah working in the music industry maybe you have a better capacity to label songs or like know the lyrics see this is like i could recognize a song i'm going i don't know the name of the song though because i i've often wondered why i'm picking these up um right. and i thought maybe if i knew the lyrics that would be part of the message i don't know um yeah, yeah, but this yeah. day in in costa rica you're actually i didn't think about how funny this is with you being in the music industry but <laughs> but um as i was laying there I, I i often when i'm that upset i'll kind of cry myself to sleep and i had just been i was just waking up from Having gone through that and um I was waking up and I just was kind of thinking that like oh what next and um there there was a little gift that it had presented itself on the side of my bedside table now I assume my husband snuck into the room and 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 put it there but I thought oh my gosh like you gave me something universe. You know what I mean? Mm. And then, so I thought that, and then all of a sudden, um, the, the bugs and the, just the audio of the jungle sounds in Costa Rica is almost otherworldly. You know, when you come from, for me, you know, coming from Canada or, yeah, or Costa Rica. Yeah. Jungle super powerful. Experience. And yeah, I could hear the jungle bugs were just, you know, buzzing. And then all of a sudden it was like um, a Leonard Cohen voice came in and it was like, <laughs> because you believed in me. Uh, <laughs> and it was yeah. just, I was like, pardon? And I, you know, like thinking like, did I hear that? And then it came through again, just this deep voice yes. with the message because you believed in me. And I just thought, oh yes. my gosh. Um, wow. And yeah, Yeah, so I hold on to that. Yeah, it's funny because I've always kind of had that, like um, as a musician and then working in the music industry, like being surrounded by music 
like any sort of feeling that I feel, there'll be a song, there'll be a song, you know. And sometimes someone will say something, I'll be like, oh, that lyric is in this song or that lyric is in that song. And and if I'm really close with someone, like in a friendship, sometimes we'll just burst into song. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I do. (laughs) I actually do it with a couple of my friends. Um, Like I have a, a really close friend, Eddie, and sometimes we'll just sing what we're want to what we want to communicate in a in a dumb yeah. kind of way and it's yeah I think it's a really beautiful thing to do I think it's such like yeah music exists as a connecting force I yeah I love how Leonard Cohen came to you as well like he's my favorite he's my favorite, yeah. favorite guy to, well, to pop in <laughs> say hi I know and you know his music like although it was I mean he's definitely Definitely, I guess you could say in mainstream, but I feel like he's mm. also one of those artists who, you know, was like, there was a little bit more depth to his music than, yeah. I mean, it certainly wasn't. He's hard to place, um, isn't he, as an artist? He, yeah. he's, but he was very much a poet at the time of yeah. um, the civil unrest in, in the States. And yeah, he's hard because he never, he never wanted the fame and fortune. He just wanted to be a poet. Like, yeah. So some, a lot of his music is, you know, written off as like just dull or boring. I don't, I don't feel that way about it, but, um, you know, it didn't kind of get mainstream as much as someone else. But, um, I think he writes because he is a poet, his lyrics are like some of the best lyrics that exist right yeah oh yeah and because you and believed i and me. i because you believed in me I, and i believe believe me when i say i googled it to see if those were actually lyrics <laughs> in any of his songs and it, um awesome yeah it, yeah i couldn't find anything but but that was it's funny because as as you say yeah. you know how how poetic his words were um mm-hmm. yeah that was sort of what yeah that's funny because that was even my reflection and i think too you know and and in conversations that you and I have had, you know, within um, other groups where discussion is sort of Mm -hmm. around spirituality. um, Mm -hmm. I would probably bet that, that he was a man very connected to source. So yeah, I'm sure he was. Um, It is. That's that's a reflection. Yeah. Even one of his quotes, like um, about, you know, he said um, the cracks are where the light gets in. Um, Yeah. He, Mm, yeah. he he understood for sure yeah Yeah. so yeah that's i think it's really cool like how our imagination and intuition speaks like relevantly to us when we develop um the ear like we develop a relationship with it it becomes more relevant i think a lot of people there's a kind of somehow the narrative um the western narrative shamed intuition a little bit because it's like all of the um things around hysteria which is really awful like the story Mm. of hysteria um because hysteria the roots of the word i i'm sure i don't know if you know but the roots of the word mean womb actually so so it was hysteria hysteria was very much a word to shame women into into the place of inferior like around intuition and and emotion so Mm. yeah it's quite heavy actually um yeah but the more we cultivate a relationship with intuition the more like useful it gets more like yeah. kind of friend like a friend yeah right 
and and lighthearted like that. You know, it's funny as yeah. you were saying, you know, that you have some friends where you where you'll sing with them. Um, <laughs> because I've noticed with my my oldest daughter, so she's six, and uh-huh. when she wakes up and she's in a good mood, she's just singing through the household, like yes. just singing. And often, um, you know, even she likes to do recordings on, she has a little leap pad. It's like one of the learning tablets and, but you can record on it and she'll sing, she, you know, a lot of um, important messages for me to pick up from her, you know, as a, as a mother come through in her recordings and they're often very sing songy. So um, I'm just thinking, you know, as you say, you know, the importance of intuition and just how lighthearted and friendly and just mm. like, play like it really is yeah is just yeah the coming back to that childlike nature and i think i can my in which has certainly happened in you know since covid has hit um Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that i find is it's like just you know my hat and i know it's like it's almost cliche and i think it kills me how cliche it is but it's like such high levels of happiness can really come from like, Mm. yeah, just stopping and enjoying the small things. Um, Mm. You know, it really, and I don't know if perhaps it's just the level of understanding we hit, but um, Mm. it's so much more powerful than the cliche of it like phrase of it like stop and smell the flowers but like really stop and smell the flowers yeah that's kind Um, of that's the kind of destructive nature of the word cliche because it often stops people from doing those things right yeah and it's kind of like it's a cliche for a reason like and i guess the way that that goes is like cliche is often seen as like something kind of whimsical that isn't really important or something or it's like too it's too common to be like important or something, but, um, no, absolutely. Stack Um, stack those little enjoyments and yeah, your life will just, yeah. Well, you know, and this, I, I, I'm going to take the lead here and I feel like this leads into just like, not particularly shed a shame, but in in that realm of, of it, but, um, I always felt this, but I never feel like I could tell anyone. Share a shame. Because it's funny, because Ian and I were just having this discussion under the full moon the other day. <laughs> and um, oh, wow. it just really, it was one of those, we we, uh, we live on the lake and um, actually through the summer, we often can't see the full moon, but we're in a season where the, the moon's starting to cycle back in alignment with our house so we we went down to our dock and uh and could see the rise of the full moon and um it was just like yeah one of those simple moments you know like the just watching like the the water bugs were skittering through the reflection of the moon on the water and it was just like ian was jumped right in and was swimming and um we were just sort of saying, like, I, I said, this is, this is one of those conversations where I said, I just need to let you know, because, you know, we, we, we're a pretty tight family unit, but we do, you know, get busy with our own projects. So I was like, okay, we're both here. We're both in this moment. I just need you to know that, like, you know, life for me right now, 
I don't really know how it can get any better. I'm, you know, I'm challenging the universe. Show me how this gets better. But I just want you to know I'm on that page. Like things are just feeling so incredible, like sitting uh-huh. here and looking at this, like, I don't know what else I could ask for. Wow. Um, and and it brought us express that. Uh, yeah. 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 Mm. And, um, but it brought us to the whole thought of, you know, this, speaking of these terms like you know cliche and language like whimsical and then for, for for us I said you know it really makes me think about like clinical depression the language of of that mm-hmm. I feel like you know and this is where I look back on where a, a lot of my um source of shame comes from you know or or yeah, what I was labeling as shame um, or, or what was feeding feelings of shame was the culture that we grew up in, you know, and I just think I just, how, how is this? And the culture is like, you know, like that's, that was the dimension of my experience, I suppose. And depression to me almost feels like that capacity to just not be able to see the joy of, Mm everything around you like just those little moments um yeah like it's that detachment yeah it's interesting because i i've also experienced a great amount of depression in my life it's it's been one of my main states actually and i guess that Mm. was from the trauma possibly but yeah actually the trauma and there was and i i just learned recently that it is a state that I inhabit and there are gifts in there actually it's like deep rest when I deep rest Mm. when I when I reframed it like that I was like oh okay it's deep rest Mm. and if I don't fight it then it 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 does pass it does Mm. and Mm -hmm. and I used to spend so much time in in depression and then so much time in the state of shame around the depression mm. you know because yeah. any, anything that you shame is is a repression of of that thing right and then it, it kind of mm-hmm. just sticks around mm-hmm. sticks around yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just remember having to hide my depression all the time because yeah then the narrative for for men is that depression isn't isn't acceptable we're, we're supposed to be like mm prosperous and leaders and you are mm. get out there let's get mm-hmm. out there um i mean in part in part but um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a really i'm glad you brought that up glad you brought that up well and i mean i i suppose that you know i'm speaking from that from my from my experience because i'm the same i it's funny because i can i'm the same i look back and i think you know really i've always had a very a very happy life but Mm-hmm. Yeah, with with very, very low um, dips, and um, and in those dips, I well, actually, you know, I've another one of the things that I do is I write daily in my journals, and and one of the uh-huh. things that came up was, man, I was like the queen of making my life difficult. Like I look back, mm-hmm. and it's just like, you know, I knew there were choices, but I was the yeah, I just feel like I had it mastered at um, making the choices that would would put me in the tough lane. Like mm. I don't, 
I don't know why I did it, but, it, mm-hmm. but I, again, I, I just, I think back to, um, I think part of what's really speeding up my, um, my spiritual evolution now is really connecting with, with people who are doing the work themselves and also finally really, really listening to the great mentors that are out there. Mm. And, um, I know that, um, I think it was Michael, Michael Beckwith, who was saying that we're at that place and time where it's no longer like we can know what's good for us, but it's time to actually, you know, be living those Mm. things. (laughs) It's not just about knowing it's about doing. And, um, I think that I can see that, you know, back in, I just, I look, especially in my, you know, those teen years are so defining and it's funny because I loved those years, but, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't going to listen to anyone. And yeah, that individualist um, thing as well. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what else am I hearing? Um, yeah, just uh, very thought heavy because that is also yeah. part of the narrative. I mean, it's pretty much Western philosophy. The school of Western philosophy is centered around thought, whereas, you know, Eastern philosophy is, is uh, it dives a bit more into embodiment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah embodiment feels a lot better <laughs> I know yeah. that although I think I think the beautiful marriage of both is yeah, um, marriage, yeah. you know and this is something I guess that has taken the practice actually um, I had a really great friend who had also mentioned before too that our physical body gets so entrained um, and I think this is it is with with choices, right? So for me, like I said, I was just so great at making the wrong choices. Um, even though I I knew probably knew the better choices, but that's, it's like this entrained. And I mean, as we learned so much about the nervous system too, I mean, that, that makes absolute sense, right? It's the pathways that are most accessible. Um, and that's the thing with, with the Western philosophy is that, Yes, we can train ourselves really well yeah. to think and be rational and critical thinking. And they, they're all great. And I love what you say about the marriage, but I think that's all in Eastern philosophy anyway. Like, and, mm. and they're more about embodiment and wholeness. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's curious that we like tend to get drunk because, and, and, and my travels, on my travels around the world, like in Asia and in South America, like people don't get drunk, like, like Western people, they don't. Yeah. Um, so, and that shuts down the rational mind, and it, and it gets you more intuitive, more myopic and like, which means you can't see outside of your immediate environment and then, and more emotional. So I don't, I don't think, I don't believe in the word coincidence, but this isn't, this is curious to me. Yeah. Oh, Peter, that's like a massive um, <laughs> unveiling that I've like been sitting with. Um, yeah, of honestly, it's like such a recent um, okay concept I've been playing with because that's this is one of my big 
shames. I, I feel like, um, uh, well, no, not so much. Oh gosh. There's so much in here. You're so, I feel like you're so, so, um, you know, you've, you've totally like, that's the big green button right there. Um, opened up the well screen. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) I I haven't had, um, I, I I cut alcohol out of my life, um, Mm -hmm. in April completely. Um, listening to my body. I started drinking at 13. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. And yeah. yeah and it was normal. Mm, I, I yeah. started because everybody, all of my friends were. Yeah. And it's incredible, um, isn't it? It's incredible. Cause yeah. 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 All of my friends. Yeah. We used to go up to the local park or the local thing and just drink spirits yeah, uh, out into the woods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, um, and I know, and it was like, that was the social activity uh, all yeah. through high school. And I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but we, we, the town I grew up in was small and, mm-hmm. um, but, oh gosh, someone had said the, uh, this beautiful quote that just because it's normal or considered yeah, just because it's considered normal doesn't mean mm. that it's right, you know. And but again, this I'll was see. this was mm. the message that was never accessible to me in those years. And yeah. um, right, what and mm. I never knew to think otherwise. Yeah, there's so much here, isn't there? I'm also yeah. I'm also interested, you know, bec- because alcohol makes us more myopic. It means like it's a more connecting force. And and I know that the Jewish have this festival called Purim where they just drink as much as possible to like convene with God in that way. And oh, wow. there's a Bolivian, I know, I know there's probably many, many cultures that also do this. I I've seen it in Northern Vietnam, but I also watched a documentary where this Bolivian tribe actually do it really intentionally because they work out in remote places that, that are very disconnected from each other. And, and they they come together once a month to have this really intentional alcohol ceremony where they all really connect really deeply, and then they go back mm. out and do their work in isolation. So I just wonder if if as kids we're like missing that kind of ritual and connection, uh, and we do yeah. it, and we just I'm a big believer that we just do it because we we need to. It's a human need, right? Mm. Yeah. See. That's, that is really interesting. And, and that's just, you know, especially, um, I worked in downtown Ottawa through my twenties at a couple of like the, the, you know, down in the tourist district at some of the bigger bars. And so, yeah, it was just, I mean, it went on from, from my childhood into definitely through my twenties. And, and this was it was I, you know, I think what I look at it and I think, well, what a disaster, but it was so much like fun. And my, and my friends, they, we had that closeness, right? We, they, they were my family. Um, yeah. you know, I wasn't speaking to my family very often, but they were, they were my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, but it's, sorry, no, you go, go ahead. ahead. I was just saying, I, I actually talked to my friend who's an, another sound engineer. Um, and we toured together a little um, um, in the music industry. And he was saying, you know, you know, the, the connections that you make on tours, um, they're just really intense and like really focused. And you get to know someone in two weeks, you just get to know them. 
Like, and then, mm. you know, you know them for the rest of your life because you get the mm. essence of them. Right. And it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's so hard and, and intense. And I think it's the similar experience mm. with just getting drunk with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you, yeah. Where I falter with it though, is, um, we, like about like the blackout stage um, yeah that's really 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 dangerous and because yeah and then what i that's beyond connection i don't yeah. i mean and i guess that's kind of like not knowing your limits and being too extreme with mm-hmm. yourself yeah that what scares me about the blackout is you can be f- completely functional but not forming any memories right and you just yeah. you just don't know what you're doing no. And this was what a lot of the like ceremony around um I uh, of of drinking like that with with my friends was trying to piece the night back together. Like who remembers yeah. what? Yeah. And that was, you know, that was so normal. It's funny because I um like 17, 18, 19, I, I had an eating disorder. Um okay. and I think uh, you know, it's funny as I, as I go through the healing process, um, I don't feel like I need to have a lot of control in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, I, I, I really go well with that flowy feminine aspect of things and, um, really great at the last minute. Mm-hmm. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But mm-hmm. when I look at my traumas, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, like the eating disorder was, was the, I, what I felt like was the only thing I could control and my, right. what I was eating and, um, keeping right. out of my body. Um, but oh, where was that going with the, uh, with drinking? Oh, I've lost my train of thought. The blackouts. Um, yeah. And so, oh, so at the same time we would always be, this was, oh, I, when I came out to tell my mom. Um, and this was a really big moment. And this is, again, one of my traumas of not feeling like I, I, I you know, it's hard for me when I don't feel like I'm being heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it, I didn't want to tell my mom. I thought, I really thought she was going to judge me. I thought I was going to be in trouble. Um, and I came, came to tell her, hey, I, I have a d- eating disorder. I think I'd like help with it. And she said to me, no, you don't. Um, you're an alcoholic. And I was like, is like wait what and um you know at the time i was like i'm not an alcoholic because all i could think was well then everybody else is too um so i'm not which but then you know yeah yeah once i became pregnant with my first daughter was when i stopped when i stopped drinking and i was kind of like well I, you know, I thought because I wasn't drinking every day, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I didn't have that capacity to control, um, yeah, yeah my, my limit with yeah. alcohol. And, but that I was see. also what mm. everyone else was doing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I certainly had that conversation with myself, like, am I an alcoholic? Because I drink regularly and it's, and I think it's, it's good to distinguish like alcoholism as like a bodily need to drink like every single morning Mm -hmm. and through the day but also like it's super hard like I think it's super hard it's like an addictive tendency that people have Mm -hmm. uh, like an emotional need as well um Mm -hmm. and it's so easy and like I I haven't drunk anything since my birthday actually uh this year so that's February I haven't drunk a drop of alcohol 
and it's like yeah. I don't really, I don't really need to. No. Um, but at the same time, I could enjoy some alcohol with with a friend if if the, if the choice came up, and it's kind of it's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it is, and it was a it was a, a shift in perspective for me because um, I yeah. I would have to say that almost my body made the decision for me. Um, oh yeah, as just like my uh, my gallbladder, I think is what would kind of flare up. Even you know, even if mm. because I, yeah, even if it was just like half of a yeah a can of cider or something, okay. um, it would it would feel like I'd had, you know, several. And Um, so I thought this is just not, this is just not worth it. Um, And I thought I should also listen to this. (laughs) This feels like a sign. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think it's wonderful to listen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I I do find, no, go ahead. No, sorry. I wasn't. Carry on. (laughs) Um, Just going back to that, you know, ceremonial aspect, you know, was always very, I do. I just think of, you know, some of my, some groups of friends, just some of the most beautiful humans uh, Mm. I know, you know, and, and it was that very um, connected feeling, but um, uh, I don't know if, I mean, myopic was the term you were using. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, it's funny because I've never heard it described as that, but I've definitely um upon reflection recognized that uh, it would definitely create some gap in i almost would say like my aura or my energy field and um okay i felt yeah, yeah there were there were it almost wasn't even like the capacity to control the amount that i was consuming but sometimes drinking and not knowing um yeah. not knowing when would be the time um where yeah. undercurrents of uh, just yeah. like yeah the repressed crap right. that you know was in there yeah oh, sure, yeah sure be given the opportunity to just yeah reveal itself I'm curious um, yeah yeah. yeah, I think the new uh, Malcolm Gladwell book called "Talking to Strangers" is where I picked that up from, and there's a lot. Mm. In, there's a lot in there about it. So, if anyone's curious, if you're curious about it, there's a bunch of stuff in there. Another good read. <laughs> yeah, like there's so many. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many books yeah. to read right now. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you don't mind, shall we move on to yeah the next yeah. Um, prompt? So um, mm-hmm. next one was riding the waves of change. the waves of change riding the waves of change yeah. um okay going with that was a lot that came out of those other two riding the waves of change um do you need to take a breath <laughs> just yeah piece my thoughts together on that one yeah. i feel like i've kind of the first the first chat there covered a lot um Yeah, I feel so much of what we were saying before with writing the waves of change because there's so much. Yeah. It kind of comes back to the like, well, well, what are you doing? And um, 
you know, right now, riding the waves of change really fits in with, I, you know, it comes back to that meditation practice. Um, and, and continuously writing, I'm just thinking, so, you know, with making that decision to um, resign from um, that final school board was kind of to embrace, um, continuing to embrace the, the change. And so when I think of what, you know, what I'm, Picture so funny. All I can see is just like that. Yep, <laughs> the waves. <laughs> there they are. Um, there yeah. they are. But uh, you know, right now it's just so interesting. Um, and again, such a blessing. What the since March, um, mm-hmm. having for for years now since we closed the yoga studio. Um, was well yoga and meditation you can take that anywhere you know you just tuck it in your back pocket and it's there Um, so I I, you know I for years had been saying I was going to take my um, my practice online Um, but then life would would come in Um, when we moved I had a newborn my second and kind of um, you know, that was, I was so excited because I thought, oh, this is it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start working online and uh, you're going to be able to work with people around the world and um, a newborn's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine you you don't get much, much time there. No. And I had also, you know, made the choice um, to also, you know, handle the newborn phase with my second very differently than with the first. And so, you know, we were co-sleeping. I was, you know, on-demand feeding and yeah, there was just no, there was no time for anything else, Mm -hmm. you know, which I always, it always, well, it's funny because that was the first thing to put work on the back burner. And then, um, you know, there's been so many other things. Uh, Ian and I have made a lot of decisions where we'll part ways for you know, two or three months, um, so that we can, uh, kind of go through the hard phase of life without one another. Um, but so that we can, yeah, we have, well, we have our house here in Canada, but then Ian's from Alaska and we met in Costa Rica. So Costa Rica Uh. is, um, a very magical place in the world for us. So Mm -hmm. we've spent, um, we went for six months when Malia was a baby and then um, we spent four months this winter and, and we plan to make that a third um, home location for sure. Amazing. Um, yeah. And so this is, you know, we'd, you know, um, yeah, we, we really hop between the three places, which we love to three, you know, just such a magical number. Yeah, it um, is. The, the <laughs> Yeah. and uh but it's hard you got it kind of geographically too haven't you Alaska, right yeah we yeah. thought we did it pretty good yeah <laughs> nice work definitely scattered nice um yeah and also all you know energetically just uh yeah really awe filled mm-hmm. locations mm-hmm. but it's not easy and it's funny because people go oh gosh you know wow how do you do it and it's like well 
you know, it's, it's not fun um, trying to make it happen, you know, packing up entire homes um, yeah. and then flying with kids, um, mm, you know, yeah. across the globe. Um, but again, it's like, it's that term reverence, right? Like knowing what, like mm. the worth of, of going through it all. Um, yeah. It's, it's yeah. always worth it, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's meant, it's meant quitting jobs. It's meant closing businesses. It's meant packing up entire homes. Um, yeah. It's meant like 24 hours of, of sleepless travel. Right. Um, wow. I've done a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. It, it's hard to, yeah, it takes a, a bit to recover from. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially in air, airports are just the most, uh, I, what am I saying? They take the most patience. They take the most patience, right? They're so uncomfortable. Environments is so. It's almost so inhumane. You know, you're just waiting around, or you're waiting in a queue, or you're being judged by, by customs. That's yeah, yeah. And the security. It's like wow. Yeah. And then you put yourself in that environment, like after twenty hours of no sleep. And in my case, like I might have done a gig in somewhere, um, not slept, got up for the airport and had to do it then it's um it's wild it's wild (laughs) (laughs) yeah learn who you are in those in those cues honestly yeah you yeah it's funny because i i i thought that standing in um yeah in the cues with with um you know, a baby who's grappling at you for milk and, uh, you know, like a four-year-old who's just tugging on your arm, wanting to be anywhere, but standing still in a queue. Um, yeah. Yeah. And really being, and, and it's actually funny because I've seen, you know, and I guess this is the biggest thing is, um, in terms of working through shame, in terms of riding the waves of change, in terms of dealing with the inner voice in whatever way it sounds, um, Mm you know, everything that Ian and I are, are doing and the choices that we're choosing to make have to do with aligning and building, you know, whatever minuscule or grand capacity we can, the world that we want to live in. And, um, you know, in talking to you about reflecting back on, you know, growing back, like growing up, you know, as a teenager in my, in my 20s and, you know, like, I think this is what the dissonance for me was, was, um, yeah, I just picture my soul as like this, like little orb with like a little nucleus in it. And it's just like, when it's like, this isn't where you want to be Meg. Um, and just, but you know, like this physical body, not knowing, um, that there was a different Mm. way of doing things. So now I think our choices are really about like, well, what would things look like? Um, yeah. You know, if if it was really everything we wanted it to be. Yeah. Um that reminds me of an article that I wrote um called like then there's more. Like I know there's more or something like that. Like it's you you can exist in those vir- environments but it doesn't you know unless you're doing what your soul kind of you know or at least working towards what your soul is speaking to you you'll have the dissonance there and it's kind mm-hmm. of it's fascinating because you can be like, there are so, there are so many wealthy people out there, like really got it all, you know, and they just, they're not happy. So it's quite clearly not mm-hmm. materials that give us that. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, in mm-hmm. part, you got to do that first. You got to make mm-hmm. sure you're good. Um, but um, 
Yeah, it's it's curious. A big um, insight recently, um, again, listening to another um, friend sort of in the, the field of wellness, um, she had sort of said this, that we have this capacity to... Um, you know, and again, choices is just really in my, in the forefront of, of my mind, um, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, discernment. And Mm -hmm. this is what can happen is when we're presented with different timelines or different opportunities or, um, possibilities, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's the thing is, as being a human, um, we're constantly, Less so now, I suppose, um, probably than, you know, last year. (laughs) But when you're constantly (laughs) engaging and interacting with people, um, it's hard sometimes to discern um, the storylines. And I'm just using language here, but the storylines that are are storylines that your soul wants you to live Mm. and the storylines that somebody else is imposing on you. So the storylines that someone else wants you to live. And, um, you know, that's a big one for me because I always think, you know, as I process through my parents have always been really, um, upset when I use the the word trauma or that, you know, like I'm trying to process trauma Hmm. and I know it's just, you know, it's their ego. Um, Hmm. like I feel like, you know, it's not anything to do with, with them. Um, we all Hmm. have, it's, I love it because you say, you know, big T, little T, um, (laughs) but we all have trauma. And, um, I always think, you know, like my parents, well, we just wanted the best for you. And it's like, that's such a great example of you wanted the best for me. So Mm. that's like a really great example. And, and I guess for me as a mom, um, you know, being able to hear that and put Mm. that into focus as I deal with my kids, um, as yeah, we can want the best for other people, but that's a storyline that we impose on them, whether we're meaning to or not. And again, that capacity just like, just, I think we all know like how hard it is to be like, what do, <laughs> what do I want in life? <laughs> yes. um, yeah. It's, it's yeah. hard to know what's true and what's not. So yeah. um, that was a really cool perspective um, that I was gifted with recently. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm hearing the, the like social status isn't it like um the stories the narrative that you know each culture has um a kind of good sort of quote-unquote good um state of being and that's what's Mm. so fascinating about different cultures is the state of being that's considered like righteous and good changes Mm. from each place and if you if you spend an extended period of time in another place even like three weeks is enough for me Mm -hmm. you get to know like what that is and it and you get to understand that okay what i'm hearing from you is like a social narrative and Mm -hmm. i I feel good about it i feel bad about it you know it's like you once you can be aware of those things like someone will say, oh, but you know, that is normal, right? It's like, it's normal. It's a normal thing. And you can either sort of like unconsciously like assimilate that from your upbringing Mm. or whatever, or or you can be conscious of it and choose, choose something different or choose, Mm -hmm. actually choose to engage in it in a really healthy way. Mm Because I've also found that, for example, I really love um, chips. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I really love chips. It's such a British thing. And it's like people have their fish and chips. I really love the chips. Like I'm a vegetarian, but mm. I love it. I love the practice mm-hmm. and I love to engage yeah. in it. Yeah. So it's yeah. pick and choose and yeah. Yeah. What aligns with you, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so funny too, because I, um, well, I like first what you pointed out too about that, that with um, the comment of like, oh, well, it's normal how that's just interesting insight there for me thinking Mm -hmm. the number of times where yeah when your internal compass is sort of saying hmm this doesn't sit so well and Mm -hmm. someone like gives you permission to bypass it that's really interesting um for me so thank you for that Mm -hmm. um and and also that's i'm just thinking of of again a a really huge conversation that i had recently with ian um some shame that snuck back into my life that I hadn't known was there but that's how it sneaks up sometimes yeah. right it's the, yeah it's <laughs> like, the nature wow, of shame <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it's that was there cover. yeah and uh so had yeah a, a, a conversation I was very scared to have with Ian and again mm. he always surprises me it was like it was like wow why was that such a big deal and I thought <laughs> thank you. But, oh my God, you know, like just that relief. Um, but he had kind of, he'd said exactly that to me and he said, well, you know, what I'm hearing is like, you're, you're holding or you're, you're choosing to label those experiences with shame. But is that because of somebody else's perspective that they, Mm -hmm. you know, that someone else said that you should be ashamed of it? Like, are you? And I was kind of like, Mm -hmm. wow, I, I maybe um it actually opened up a whole more field of of um <laughs> yeah <laughs> of yeah. healing for me but and that's the um I'd love to yeah there's a few points in there like the fract fractal learning I'm doing I'm mm. doing a course right now wow. c- called regenerative learning which with Marvin Oka who's like his amazing um mm. guy yeah he's a coach and yeah we're doing fractal fractal learning which means that like you brought you brought that thing that you were really ashamed of into that conversation and it just opened up a whole whole load of of things around that and it's quite common you know once you open up that that one concept with a huge emotional charge you often find yeah there's a bunch of stuff around it as well yeah and that's good and and well good and bad and Mm -hmm inconvenient convenient however you want to frame it that that that's what kind of keeps me going in there as well because i'm like well Mm -hmm. it feels bad it feels heavy it feels scary but but there's bound to be things in here that will help me yeah and i think yeah you're you're right i think sometimes it probably kind of knocks us off our our feet of like because that's (laughs) how i felt i was like whoa um you know it was like it is. I love that this, your course sounds, your program sounds really interesting because that's mm. almost what it felt like. It was like, um, you know, it was something that to be honest, I thought I had processed and healed, you know, like a decade ago. And, wow. um, and then it was just like, yeah, like a little, like you just like the doors kind of creaked open. And then it was just like, boom, like a whole room of it. That's what it felt like mm. was like, actually, <laughs> or someone just <laughs> handing you this giant box over. I was like, whoa. And there was box. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, 
Um, it's interesting because you're right. Like as much as there's some of that heavy stuff to um, process and sift through, mm-hmm. there's so much direction out of it. And that's kind of what Ian and I sat with, you know, like Ian was kind of like, it was like almost, uh, and I think that was actually exactly the term that we used. I was like, it was like this entire like fractal version of me that was like removed and, and buried. And it was like, actually Meg might be really cool if she had that part of her. Mm. Um, and, and Ian was kind of like, yeah, actually, I think I'd really like to have that bit of Meg uh-huh. um, in our life. And so um, as much as it was heavy stuff, it was also kind of really exciting for, for us. And um, mm. And, um, yeah, more learning, you know, for me and, and it's, it's neat. Cause Ian kind of, I said, can you be part of this? You know, I mm-hmm. said to him, can you be part of this with me? And he was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So, um, uh, that's such a beautiful question because it's yeah. not, uh, not often asked. Uh, no, that's a really inspiring yeah. way to relate to each other as well. It's really, well, really cool to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it does yeah. take it does you know because in the very nature like you said in the very nature of shame is it goes undercover and mm-hmm. you know like Brenny Brown says you know shame can't can't um survive the light so it's you know mm-hmm. the, the way through shame is to talk about it and to have a mm-hmm. connection and there's no other way yeah. through it so such a beautiful thing and yeah. also like um, what I'm hearing is that that kind of shame was disconnecting you from a piece of yourself that you could, you know, actualize in your life, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it was, yeah, that was the barrier. And I think that there was, yeah, it was a version of, of me that, um, you know, <laughs> I think I, uh, I love my kids because they have so much energy, but I think, um, that literally when the mother births a child, there's an amount of, of our energy that, that does go with them. Oh, cool. um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Got it, got so, it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I often think like, Oh my gosh, like, like those years in my twenties when it was like, you know, you could go a whole night without sleep and then just like get up and function and actually be like raring to go. And it was like, mm. how did I do that? Why can't I go for the whole night without, you know, a whole night sleeping now and then mm-hmm. be ready to party. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I guess like that was, you know, some of, some of the energy of that, that version of me, um, you know, I think it was that time in my life that, I sort of buried. So I kind of was like, Oh, it just felt like a really energetic piece of Meg to bring back. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, good to add the pieces together. Um, thanks for sharing. There was something else I wanted to say there, but might've lost it. (laughs) Well, we got, I mean, you've got the opportunity to share anything more like three fifteen at the end. So, Oh, um, yeah, I was, just, yeah, what I was going to say when you had said too that, um, um, oh, bringing shame to light. And uh-huh. that's one of the experiences that I've found. Um, and then also with the um, shedding shame event that I had held, which I'm really hoping to do more because I, I think that was the biggest takeaway for me is um, there's like so much fear sometimes. I know for myself, um, I don't know. If anyone else around um um, shame but there's almost so much fear right and Mm. and bringing it to the light and it's like that nervousness of like uh, what's going to happen if I dare Mm. 
share this. And um, in my experience, it's always felt like a real blessing, you know, like almost like that, you know, bringing it to light. And it's like when the clouds part and the sun shines um, is sort of the visual I would attach with it. So I think that, you know, when I've gone through it and had that experience, that's why, um, you know, through the practices, that's what I think, you know, like with, with the yoga and meditation and yeah, you know, shedding shame here, you're doing it with this program. Mm. Um, you know, just really, um, bringing in that new perspective, um, you know, to cultures where, um, you know, before it would have just been passed over, like, don't even worry about it. But it's like, actually, you know what, let's share it and without judgment. And, you know, coming back to that, you know, first full circle around to like, what am I here to do? I'm here to expand, you know, our capacity to love and be loved. And um, I think, yeah, it's just the more that people can, you know, have the opportunity to remove fear and um, and shame and realize yeah. that. It's all just beautiful. Yeah, that is. I think, you know, what comes to mind for me is that shame is like a fear of disconnection and that's what keeps us quiet. But actually that's kind of a, it's sort of a torturous state for the mind to exist in in, over a long period of time, especially if we internalize the shame, which means that we think I'm a bad person. I'll never, I'll never be any good sort of thing. Actually, yeah. when you, when you share, it's it's either a chance to clarify and like say, okay, I'm actually supposed to disconnect from this thing or from this person, mm-hmm. or it's a chance for deeper connection because you're vulnerable, mm-hmm. and yeah. and the people in your life that love you will appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea around toxic shame that actually it's kind of a bit useless, like it doesn't actually do what it's supposed to and i'm reading this the a book called heal the shame that binds you by john bradshaw i got that one have you got that one you. haven't started oh, it yet, but yeah, I, that, I that's got cool it. <laughs> that's lovely thank you um i'm glad that i'm glad that it inspired you to do that um mm-hmm. but yeah he talks about healthy shame being like the sense of humanity like i have finite boundaries i i need community i need spirituality because I'm a finite mm-hmm. human being. So mm. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it it seems a bit overwhelming. I'm really glad that you you've jumped in on the shedding shame events. Like that's that seems so beautiful. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. It was uh, it was like a uh, your share of shame. I was just like, "Oh my god, it's that that's exactly it. <laughs> it's just that easy and um it was right around uh, I guess when you shared the podcast it was right around the mm-hmm. time where I had gone through that share with Ian and it was just like this beautiful culmination of understanding. Um, yeah. You know, and I think, yeah, I think things are really, you know, I, it's so weird to use the term. Well, here I am labeling, but um, you know, like new, this new earth, but I, mm-hmm. I really feel like that's what we're stepping into. And for a long time, I really felt like, um, we were kind of like on the fence, you know, just like the tipping mm-hmm. point. And it's like so funny, yeah. just recently, I really feel like that we're on the other side. It's like, I actually almost feel like I don't have to talk about the new earth. It's almost like I can talk about the old earth, um, okay. which is so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there was a shift so. uh, perceptively for me as well. Um, yeah. And then even just 
you know physically with the virus that shut down everything it's 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 mm. quite cool that i i just find like with any of these things if if you get like a definition if you get like a definition or a framework that you can understand you know that it's probably mm. like happened you know so yeah. for example yeah. like we created the internet and it's kind it kind of it gives us so many like words now that we can use for consciousness like mm. downloads and the web and you know we can mm. understand oh, it yeah. better and you know yeah but then this virus like you know it's kind of like oh do you remember when the virus changed everything hmm okay <laughs> so now we're yeah, post we're post virus <laughs> post virus world uh, yeah that's too funny i love it it is fun isn't it life is fun yeah yeah oh it is so. yeah Oh, thank you so much for your time today, Meg. It's been so wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much. So great. No, thank you for all that time to share. Yeah, no, I really, really appreciate it. And always so many insights, I feel like, when we get to sit and chat. So I really, really value it. Absolutely. Um, If anyone wants to find you, do do you um, have a Mm. website or...? Yep. So you can find me on, um, I've got a pretty active Facebook page. Meg Lou is the name that I'm on there. Um, mm-hmm. Meg Williams, um, Meg Williams. Yep. At Meg Williams one on Instagram. And then my website is www.megwilliams.org. And that's got everything. And then I've also got a YouTube channel, um, which you'll find me under Meg Williams on there. And yeah, a lot of, of free content. Um, I've done the blunt answer series, which was, um, all about breaking the stigma and shame around, uh, um, cannabis and learning uh, a bit about yeah. the history. That's right. Really see, interesting. Yeah. That's an excellent yeah. one as well. I have, um, yeah, someone was just telling me that they, that they, they, their teenage sons are watching it with them. And I was like, Wow. Um, it's a lot about the history and, and where kind of the um, stigma was originated. And so yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, I never thought, you know, it, it totally it would be very suitable for teens. Um, I just never mm-hmm. um, thought of that when I was creating it. So I was super excited yeah. to hear that. And then the Start awesome. With Love series is going on right now and both accessible on there, too. Lovely. Yeah, I've seen that. It's really awesome as well. Oh, so, yeah, I'd encourage people <laughs> encourage people to go check it out mm-hmm. oh, yeah. i've also actually i'm going to do one little one more plug here <laughs> but yeah, just released <laughs> um with two of, of my beautiful soul sisters in new zealand um mm. and this is coming up on the 21st of september so relatively soon but a seven day um chakra reset and it's called the series itself is called unify but Corey is like a, a naturopath um so each of the seven days will be associated to the chakras. Um, Corey will be introducing um, nourishing um, recipes and food ideas to connect with the chakras. Mm-hmm. Um, Leslie is, uh, she actually does sand art and her whole idea is bringing through like codes or information. Um, and she just like does them giant in the sand and, and projects them to the, sky and then the ocean oh. just takes it away and the sand's also magnetic so really powerful magic she's doing so she's mm-hmm. going to be doing um like a creative 
um, expression slash coding um, okay. with her bit. And then I'm going to be doing the yin and, and meditation. Oh, wow. So that's coming up too, which is super awesome. Exciting. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, I'm not sure we'll get the episode out before then, but if if you want to check oh, it out, then we'll. Uh, yeah, it might be re- well. It'll all be recorded, so perhaps it'll be accessible. But yeah. maybe, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's no worries. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I yeah, definitely I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, please wow. do. Thanks very much for this conversation. Anyway, it's been thank you, Peter. Helpful. Yeah. time attention and love today thanks for listening Um, i just want to thank meg for coming in today and having this beautiful chat with me hope you found value something in here and if you feel called to support the podcast we now have a patreon account which you can go to The link will be below. Thanks everybody, take care.